4. And, uh, wow, too much carrot cake, Miss Penny, and fruit salad. And uh, I, I, was, I, the, uh, I was asked which one tasted better, the fruit salad or the carrot cake. And uh, that's like uh, asking you to compare pizza with salad. They're not in the same category. They're both good, uh, so it's hard to compare. But both of them are very, very good. John chapter number 4. Let's go to verse number 31. We'll read down through about verse number uh, 38. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields. For they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto eternal life. And both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying, True, one soweth, and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Father, we pray once again that you'll bless uh, the message, speak to our hearts, give us the right uh, words to say, and make very clear and very plain your truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, speaking to his disciples here, makes quite clear that there are... Uh, physical needs, such as hunger and clothing and places to lodge and, and lay our heads. But when it came to the needs of the spiritual needs of the world, Jesus made a, a very important uh, declaration here as he's speaking to his disciples. And they were concerned about him having something to eat. And he said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And they were, they were puzzled by that and thought that he meant his physical uh, nourishment. But he made this statement. He said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. I've heard oftentimes this preached on, and usually the focus is on the first part of that, uh, to do the will of him that sent me. But Jesus felt that the, the need to do and to complete his Father's work was more important than even his own physical needs. Oftentimes, we tend to put uh, our, our priorities ahead of God's. And while I'm not saying here that we should go on a hunger fast in order to serve God uh, with every second or every moment of every day, I do believe that what he's alluding to here is to make sure that we have right priorities. Oftentimes, we have a way of letting our priorities supersede the, the priorities that God has for us in our lives. And because of that, we and, and for several generations, I believe this has been true, because of that, we face an uphill battle. When we preach on uh, winning people to Christ or sharing the gospel with them, seeing them trust Christ as their Savior, we preach on going out into the highways and hedges, or we preach on going out and, and sharing tracts with people and sharing the gospel with people, telling them about the Lord and the things of the Lord. Uh, we, we, we do it facing an uphill battle. The truth is there's over 7.7, .7, I believe is the last number I'd heard, billion 
people in the world today. I was listening to a, a, a quote-unquote Christian broadcast station a, a couple of years ago. It's been about two or three years ago now. And they made the statement that since their signal now covered almost the entire globe, the entire world, they believed that 98% of the world were now saved. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. All you got to do is look around and tell that there's not 98% of the world that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, even in our Baptist churches sometimes, much less in the world. And uh, it's, it was amazing to me that they made that kind of claim. There was a day when the Bible says that the entire world knew of the Lord Jesus Christ. They'd heard of Him during the time of the disciples. They went about preaching the gospel into all the world. And uh, the fact that in Jerusalem, which was a large city at the time, um, there, and we'll look at that passage in a little bit, but uh, it was known of the disciples that they had filled Jerusalem with His doctrine. And uh, there was a time where the great commission that God gave to us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature was not only obeyed, but it was, it was being successfully done. And now we live in a day where we have to look at, at what goes on in our generation and say we have severely failed in our generation to complete the work and the will of the Father. Uh, it's interesting to me that Jesus doesn't just say to do the will is the meat that He has, but to do it and to finish the work. And so often we focus so much on the doing of the work that we put very little emphasis on the importance of us getting to the end of it, getting to a place where we finish the work and we've done and we have completed what God has had for us to do. We're uh, living in a time where I think all of us could be of one accord on this thought, and that is we're living in very difficult times. We live in a, a place where it's, it's difficult to talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ because our world is so far gone in, in this direction that we've not done in the past what we should have to reach people for the Lord in generations past or even in our own generation. That we are now facing a difficult task in that the vast majority of the world do not believe in God. They, they don't believe in the Bible. There was a time in this country where even people who did not necessarily go to church, they did not trust in Christ, uh, as their Savior, at least had a reverence and a respect for the Bible as God's Word. They understood it to be so. And whenever they did hear someone teach or preach from the Gospel, it did its work in their hearts because they accepted it as God's Word. Now we live in a day where there's even Christian people who do not believe that we hold in our hands God's Word. They believe it contains the thoughts of God only. But I believe we have God's Word in our hands. And we've been given a great challenge to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. And as I've, I was a youth pastor for a number of years. I don't know how many times I heard teenagers make the statement, well, when I get older, Brother Greg, I'm going I'm to uh, really get on fire for God. I'm going to do some things for the Lord. I'll, I'll, I'll serve the Lord then. And I used, to, I used to scratch my head and think, trust me, it doesn't get any better. Your teenage years are about the best you're going to have, maybe early 20s, and then it kind of goes downhill from there. Your memory's not as sharp. Your strength is not as sharp. Your energy's not as sharp. Usually you get married. You have a family and other responsibilities and cares of life that draw you from being able to commit yourself to doing the work of the Lord. And if there's any group of people in our world today that ought to be charging uh, the, the, uh, uh, the service of the Lord and just doing it full, wholeheartedly in full service, ought to be our young people. And yet we've given them the idea that they cannot until they get older, until they uh, get wiser, until they uh, have life experience. And we 
uh, have kind of, without uh, instructing them to serve the Lord now at their age, we've kind of contributed to the idea that they shouldn't serve God till they're later in years. And because of that, we pay the price. We're now living in a world that's very, very difficult to share the gospel with. If uh, there have been times where I've gone to a neighborhood and I've just begun going one door after the other, just knocking on the door and introducing myself, <clears throat> seeing if they had a church home or if there was something we could be doing as a church to be a help to them. And it's amazing to me and in doing that and trying to be able to have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. It's amazing to me how many times the doors are closed and the, the uh, saying, I'm not interested. I could go to ten doors, and I would I would expect about nine of those to be such cases. Probably a little more accurately would be to go to a hundred doors and probably have about 97 or 98 of them do that. We're living in a world where we look at it and we say it's tough to serve the Lord. It's difficult. We're living in a difficult time. And because of that, if we're not careful, we will we will excuse or justify our lack of going will justify our lack of sharing the gospel. I think there's, there's several reasons that I think the Bible even gives to us why the, why the world becomes hard to reach for us. And I want us to look at these things because I think if we can understand why it's hard for us to reach people, it might help us to work in these areas and overcome them and be able to reach people the way that God intended for us to. Let's take a look at several passages of Scripture. Keep your Bibles handy. We're going to look at uh, a number of passages today. But turn first with me, if you will, to the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts because we find the apostles and the early disciples, the early church. There's a lot of excitement in the book of Acts. I mean, God is doing some miraculous things, and He does that by way of transition to kind of validate the message of the early church and uh, things that were miraculous of the day. And uh, but the excitement, the zeal of this early church. It's amazing to hear the price that these folks were willing to pay. Uh, some of them to the point of death, some of them to the point of torture and suffering, just to be able to be faithful and true to God. Uh, and I would only hope that in the day we live, that there would be a, enough fervency uh, that we would ardently love the Lord with with so much zeal for it that we would be willing to endure whatever came our way. Uh, the truth is, until that moment comes, we really don't know how we would respond. My hope is that we would respond well. But I think that we live in a day where because we've been given such ease, we've neglected some things. Look in Acts chapter number 5, if you will. We're going to begin reading in verse number 17 and read down through, uh, oh, probably around verse number 32, 33, somewhere around there. <clears throat> Acts chapter number 5, verse number 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in, common, in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought, for, brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together and all the synod of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, 
and the keeper standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold the men whom ye put in prison. Notice this. I don't want you to miss this. Are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince, a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Notice this. And we are his what? We are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that what? Obey him. I think one of the great reasons why the world is so difficult to reach with the gospel in the day that we live is because we have lacked to evangelize the way that God intended for us to. Here were these uh, disciples, and I love what the Bible says in the, in the first part of this passage as we began to read in verse number uh, 17 and down. We find that these apostles were arrested and they were put into prison for the sake of preaching the gospel. And uh, they were told not to preach anymore in, in His name. We find that after the fact when they said, didn't we tell you this already? And uh, they certainly had heard this before. But I want you to notice in verse 19, the Bible says, But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, and st- go stand and speak in the temple. I think those are three key words that we ought to embrace in the day we live. Go, stand, and speak. If we could follow those three things, I think God could do some amazing things with us. Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they went to their homes and ate dinner and rested and took a vacation. Is that what your Bible says? No. What does it say? When they heard that, they what? They what? Entered into the temple. The Bible uses the phrase here early in the morning. Now, we know sometime during the night the angels came and brought them out of the prison. I believe that within the context here, they left from what the angels told them and they went straight to the temple. I don't think they stopped anywhere along the way. I think they went straight there. And notice what it says here, and taught. Wait a minute. (laughs) Time out, guys. Wasn't this what you just got arrested for? Yes. You're back here doing it again? Yes. Why? Because God told us to. They come and they, they, they finally get a hold of them after they realize they're missing. They come back to the temple. Verse number uh, 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest and asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command ye that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, notice this phrase, Ye have what? Filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Because these men didn't know any better than to simply obey what God had told them to do, they had filled Jerusalem with the doctrine. We're not talking about a lot of people here. We're talking about a handful of disciples. I don't know how big the prison was, but they all fit in it. 
Jerusalem a big city. Big city. They had filled Jerusalem. This handful of men, this handful of apostles had filled Jerusalem with this doctrine. I wonder what God would say about Festus, Missouri. If God were to come back today, or let's put it this way, let's say, let's say that there was some persecution. Maybe somebody come walking in the church here today at Keith Heights Baptist Church. Would they be concerned that we stop preaching in God's name because we had filled Festus with, our doctor, with the doctrine of God? I think one of the reasons why it is so difficult to reach people in the day that we live is because we have not in the past evangelized the way we should have. When, when the majority of the people in the city have been evangelized and have been saved and have trusted Christ as their Savior, it makes it a little easier to go around from door to door and to spread the Word of God. We live in a time where the truth is we have uh, scheduled, we have made token time to obey the Great Commission. We've put it on a stopwatch or a, a time frame and said, okay, from this time to this time, I'll obey the Great Commission and the rest of the time is mine. God, I'll give you this amount of my time. How often should we be telling people about Christ? Oh, it'll be part of our life. It's not a Thursday night soul winning time. It's not a Sunday morning or Saturday morning bus visitation time. We're to be reaching people everywhere we go. By our testimony, by our words, by our deeds, by our preaching, by handing out tracts, by making sure that when we walk through our day, we are conscious of the fact that we are surrounded by people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. We're surrounded by people who are lost and on their way to hell. And they need to hear the gospel before it's too late. And we're living in a time where we say we believe that His coming is near. And we claim that this is an urgent matter. But has it changed our actions? Have we become more diligent in our efforts? Have we become more concerned about the time that we spend? Have we tried to become more careful to make better use of our time in reaching people with the gospel? Look with me in Mark chapter number 16, if you will, for just a moment. Mark chapter number 16. And verse number 15. Jesus is speaking here, and He said unto them, Go ye into how much? All the world. And preach the gospel to what? Every preacher. When will we be done with the Great Commission? When one of two things happens. Either we have gone into all the world and preached the gospel to every creature, or we get to heaven. Until then, it's still not fulfilled, is it? Until then, it is still something that needs to be done. We are facing an unbelievable battle of reaching a world who, to be honest with you, and we don't, I don't think any of us would argue this point, they don't want to know God. They have no desire for God. He tells, he tells the uh, apostles here, as he gets down to verse number 31, or verse or, uh, 32, uh, let's see. Uh, am I in the right place? Uh, I'm sorry, I got the wrong passage here. But he said in John chapter number 4, he said that they were going to be able to reap where they had not sown. They were going to, they were going to be able to enter into the labors of other people. You say, well, Brother Greg, I, I've tried to share the gospel. I've handed out tracts. I've not seen a lot of people saved. Does that mean we quit going? Does that mean we quit sharing the gospel? No. 
Because there may come somebody behind you that uh, is able to talk to that person who God had been dealing with because of that seed that was initially sown. And so we continue to labor. We continue to be uh, working and doing the will that God has for us. Jesus made this statement. He said, my meat, more than my, my physical nourishment, my meat is to do the will of Him that sent me. The second reason I believe that it is, is so difficult in the day that we live is found in Acts chapter number 1 in a very familiar passage of Scripture, verse number 8. Jesus speaking to the disciples here, He says, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto Me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. And I'll say this, that God... Uh, certainly had already indwelt the disciples. If they were saved and had trusted Him as their Savior, there's no doubt that the indwelling was there. But he's speaking here in Acts chapter number 1, in verse number 8, of an enabling of the Holy Spirit to do the work, to strengthen them with power to accomplish the task. This is more than just the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is uh, the Holy Spirit enabling and strengthening us for the work that He's called us to as we are obedient to Him. We find here that Jesus had told the disciples, He said, I want you to go into all the world. I want you to preach the gospel to every creature. But He said, I want you to wait and tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And what did the disciples do? Did they go out and just start winning people to Christ? No, they were obedient to Christ. They went to Jerusalem. And as they were obedient to Christ, the Holy Spirit began to work in their lives and they were able to be empowered and strengthened and have the Holy Spirit doing a work in the hearts of the people that they were speaking to. Oftentimes, there have been times where I've been sharing the gospel with someone and it was like talking to that wall over there. There just was no response to it. There have been other times that I've walked up to someone. In fact, I was just thinking of this particular account just the other day. Uh, I had uh, uh, taken a couple teenagers out to share the gospel with some people. We were in a van. And my sister-in-law was there for the girl's chaperone. And uh, was, uh, uh, I dropped, there was a young lady that we watched. She just came out of her house and started walking down the street. And so I pulled the van over. I asked my sister-in-law to take a couple of the girls and go talk to her. And they walked over. She was only about one, one house down from where they were, uh, from where she had come out of the house. And uh, they went over and started talking to her. And uh, they were there for a little while. And then they turned around and walked back to the girl's house and went inside, which I told them, I said, don't ever go inside somebody's house. You know, you got teenagers with you. They go back, back into, this, into this girl's house. <coughs> this young lady was, I think, at the time 17 years old. And... Um, she was already out on her own. She was living with some guy in this house, and her life was a mess. And she was at the end of her life, I mean, just desperation, unbelievable desperation. And um, when, our, when our girls came out and walked up to her, uh, they said, we're so-and-so from Faith Baptist Church. The girl, she said the girl immediately began to start weeping, just crying. As they talked to her, she shared and related the story to them. She said, I've been all afternoon so devastated with my life. I'm just at the end of my rope. She said, I was raised in Sunday school when I was a little girl. She said, but I got away from those things. And she said, I didn't believe in God at all. And she said, I was just in my room, or just in my house, just before I stepped out to walk down the street here. She said, I made this, this statement. She, she said, I looked up to the ceiling. And I said, God... 
If you're there, send somebody to tell me. Show me about you. And it wasn't 30 seconds later after she walked out of her house that one of the ladies in our, in our van and the two girls came out and said, we're from the church. And we tell you about Jesus. The girl got gloriously saved. Her life turned around. You say, that was a coincidence. No, the Holy Spirit went before them. And there is a, there is a labor that we can do in our own strength that is fruitless. And while I know God's Word never returns void, and sometimes there will be some fruit from that kind of labor, there certainly is frustration for us in it. But to seek for God to go before us, to spend the time in prayer and making sure that He goes ahead of us and shares in the heart of those people and gets it prepared and lets them know that, hey, uh, there's a need that you have. Begin to work on their hearts. I think the second reason why it's so difficult in the world that we live in is we do not seek for the power of the Holy Spirit in our labor. There was a day when men and women of God used to spend time in prayer and weeping and tears and shedding a heart, their heart on the altars and saying, Lord, I must have Your strength. I must have Your power to do Your work. We don't see that anymore. We don't see men and women learning about Jesus Christ for the very first time and coming to know Him as Savior in glorious ways in the numbers that we used to see years ago when men and women knew what it was to walk with God and to spend time on their faces seeking for the Holy Spirit to work in their lives and to use them as a witness and to go before them. I believe we've not tarried in Jerusalem enough. We've not spent that time seeking for the Holy Spirit to enable us. Look in Acts chapter number 5, if you will. Acts chapter number 5 and verse number 32. Let's go to verse number 29 for a minute so we'll get the context. And Peter and the other apostles answered and said that we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a Savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are His witnesses of these things. And so it so is also who? The Holy Ghost, who God hath given to them that what? Obey Him. That obey Him. Oh, that we would learn to seek for the Holy Spirit's enabling power. If we're not obedient to Christ, we quench Him and we grieve Him. He does not empower us. But if we're obedient to Christ and seek for the Holy Spirit's power, He does give it to us. He does enable us to do the work that God has given for us to do. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter number 6. The third reason I believe that it's difficult in the day that we live is because we do not resist the influence of Satan in the world. In the day we live, and we've preached on it a little bit these last several weeks, but in the day that we live, there's more of an embracing the influence of Satan in the world among God's people than there is the resisting of it. There's more of a clinging to it than there is a, a putting off of it. Look with me, if you will, in Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against what? The wiles of the devil. You and I have got a responsibility. We've got to 
stand against the things that Satan would do in this world. Not, not in a mean way, not in a cruel way. But we must stand and we must be resolved in that stand. We must not be moved. We must stand on the Word of God. For we wrestle not, notice this, uh, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. We're living in a day where we are now bowing to the influence of Satan. It's sad to say, and I said that just a moment ago, not only are we bowing to Satan many times, but many times in our lives, in the Christian life, there are Christians that are embracing it, that are condoning it, that are involving themselves in it. You say, why is the world so hard to reach? Because back in the 60s and the 70s, there came a, a philosophy that I have no doubt Satan started. And that philosophy was we need to be like the world in order to relate to them so that we can effectively minister to them. We need to be like them to reach them. The Bible doesn't teach that. It tells us that we're to resist those things. We're to stand against them. We're to be the salt in this world. The Bible tells us that in the book of Matthew, chapter number 5, that we're the salt of the earth. But if the salt had lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? How many of you have had COVID already? How many of you lost your sense of taste and smell when you did that? Was, was eating enjoyable when you lost your sense of taste? No. Could you imagine? And we, we like salty things, don't we? Because it's, it spices it up. There's some savor there. But boy, when we had that COVID, we couldn't taste anything. I could have dumped a whole bucket of salt. I could have eaten it by the spoonful. It wouldn't have done a thing for me. Well, it probably would have dehydrated me and killed me. But, uh, but there was no taste there. It was bland. You know what the Bible says about that kind of salt? It says it is good for nothing. But to be cast in the street and trodden under the foot of men. Where to be the salt? Where to be a savor to this world? We've not been the saltiness of this world. And as a result of that, we're in a situation, we're in a society now where people have so rejected God and are so turned off by the things of God that it makes it difficult to share the gospel with them. Because the vast majority, and I would say if those uh, folks that made that claim on that Christian broadcast station a few years ago, if they were to reverse those numbers, I think they would be far more accurate. That more than likely, 98% of the world are lost. We're fighting an uphill battle. Why? Because we've failed to evangelize the way that we should. We fail to seek the power of the Holy Spirit in our labor and in our work. And we've not resisted the influence of Satan in this world. We've allowed it to go on to where it has gained such a foothold and such a control over the minds of men that it makes it more difficult to share the gospel with them. And then number four, I would say this. We have had a lack of patience and perseverance in serving God. We get frustrated too easily. We quit. We give up too easily. I, uh, my dad, when I was growing up, uh, <laughs> he, was, he, was a hard, he was a hard parent in some ways. I thank him for it. He wanted to make sure that we had a work ethic growing up. At least he did for me, and then he... He changed somewhere between me and my brother. I don't know how that happened, but he wanted to make sure we had a work ethic. I remember going, 
when I was six years old, seven years old, I think it was, my dad had a, an old lawn boy uh, push mower. And, uh, you know, they, they used to have that middle crossbar on the handle, then they had the top bar of the handle to push it with. I couldn't reach the top bar of the handle. I was that small. And my dad put me out there in a hot summer day in the middle of Florida when it's about 8,000 degrees and 500% humidity. And I'm out there just a little kid, and I've got this 100-pound lawnmower or 70-pound lawnmower, whatever it was, and I'm pushing in that little bitty bar, that small bar down there. And I don't know how many times over the years of doing that push mower, I walked in the house and I said, Dad, I just can't do it anymore. I'm tired. You know what his answer to me was? Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> Go get you a glass of lemonade. You can sit on the couch. Dad will take care of it. No, that was not it. It was, boy, get back out there. Get back out there. He pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And you know what he's teaching me over those years? You don't give up. You don't quit. If it gets hard, you don't quit. You keep trying. You may not ever succeed, but don't quit. Years ago, my dad told a story. A young man that got a BB gun for Christmas. He was so excited to get it. One evening, he went outside and there was a full moon. He thought, I'm going to see if I can hit the moon with my BB gun. He started shooting it up in the air time and time and time again. And the guy walked by and said, son, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to shoot the moon with my BB gun. The guy started laughing, kind of like some of y'all did a minute ago. And he said, you'll never hit that moon with that BB gun. He said, sir, I may not, but I'll come closer than you will. Oftentimes we quit. Never, never going to reach them all, Pastor. We're, we're, we're living, living in a day, 7.7 billion people. We're not going to reach them all. No, but can we at least reach more than those that don't try? Can we at least be diligent enough and put our efforts in to persevere through it till the end? To say, I may not win them all, but I'll win some. I'll do what I can. We live in a day where it has... We have contributed. It's easy for us to blame the world and the, the fact that they don't believe in God, they don't love God. It's easy for us to blame them on how hard it is to reach them with the gospel. The truth is, I believe it is from years of us neglecting what we should have been doing and the generations before us neglecting to some degree what they should have been doing to reach people with the gospel that has put us in this situation. If it's ever going to turn around, if it's ever going to get any better, then we've got to work in these areas. We've got to make sure that we persevere. We've got to make sure that we seek for the power of God on our lives. We've got to make sure that we resist the influence of Satan. And then we've got to make sure we get out there and go. Hopefully here in a few weeks we're going to have our our Bibles are back ordered. We ordered a bunch of Bibles in. We're hoping to have a Bible distribution ministry, a great opportunity. People will come to you and ask for a Bible, and you'll have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Great opportunity to get involved. Handing somebody a tract that has the gospel message in it, and even if you're in a hurry, just hand it to them and ask them to read it. Are we doing enough? Are we doing enough in the day that we live? I want to encourage us in this. We're at the start of a new year, and we are losing the battle when it comes to reaching people with the gospel.
And I want to encourage us in some things and kind of challenge us from God's Word uh, to be diligent in these areas. All right? Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed to prayer. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. Lord, the truth is there's not a single one of us here that could not find at least some more time or give some more effort to do a little bit more to reach people with the Gospel. We all can do better. May we do so. May You help us. May You strengthen us. May Your Holy Spirit go before us and prepare hearts. May You bring across our paths to people that uh, will be opportunities for us to share the Gospel with. May we continue to press and to go to be 